Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and I am here with an album review today of an album that I just absolutely love. It's a very unique album by a band called Faith No More, and the album is called The Real Thing. There's also a song called The Real Thing on the album, because that happens sometimes. Uh, yeah, this album has been a big part of my life since right around the time I graduated high school. I think it was a little bit before that, maybe the winter before that it um, it came into my view via my brother, as a lot of music did at the time. And one album that just struck me right off the bat, the performances, the experimentation in the songs, the ranges of, of effort that the instrumentalists put into it. Uh, great vocal album, too. I mean, it's a really fantastic album to sing along to. So I thought, you know, this would be a good one to do for my review. I'm trying to somewhat bring about an element of when in time I do the interview is relevant to the time of the album, but this is both a winter and a summer album for me. So it really just kind of doesn't matter. And I thought I'm just going to go ahead and do it because I really love the album and I want to share it with you guys. Um, I know a lot of you have probably heard it. But in any case, I thought it would be a lot of fun to do. And I'm looking forward to getting into these songs. Before I do that, though, of course, I just want to give you a quick update on what's going on in my world. Um, the album is coming along a little more slowly than I had anticipated, but it's for good reasons. I got a couple of really good gigs I'm working on, uh, doing some writing, both uh, drum tracks and full songs. And I'm doing those for a couple of different artists that I really am uh, just so excited about working with. And as those projects develop more, I'll be able to give you some details. And then uh, that means that my album, The Forgotten Puppet Show, is moving a little more slowly than I had hoped. I actually was expecting to be releasing it uh, sometime this month. But because of those gigs and some continuing problems with my left arm, I am a little bit behind schedule, so I'm still working on it. I have uh, done one whole drum track, um, but I've done almost all the bass tracks. I think I've got three more songs to do on bass, and then I can start doing the rest of the drum tracks and then go from there right to mixing. So it's it's making progress. It'll come out when it needs to come out. You know, I'm not going to push the production just to get it out there by a certain date. I think the most important thing is that the quality of it is the best it can be. So everything else is done, all the other tracks, although I may go back and, and do some extra layering. Um, I have a guest star on one of the songs that I'm very excited about. And so I may release that one as a single ahead of time. I won't be getting to that song until next week. Uh, well, actually, in the time that you're hearing this, it'll be last week. So uh, I'll be getting to the song last week and uh, and we'll see where it goes from there. But I might go ahead and release that one as a single, should that be the case, to, you know, to give something prior to waiting for the entire album. So we'll see how that goes. And of course, I'll keep you posted here. You can also check on my website at www.scotthaskin.com and check there periodically for updates. You can also stream this show on that website, as well as my other podcast, Your Rye Heap, The Magician's Podcast. And that is a show where I dig into every single song that they have recorded in the studio, if I can get my hands on a copy of it. And each episode is a different song. And I'm doing four shows a week, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. And then, of course, on Wednesday, this show, the Haskin Cast podcast comes out. But it's uh, it's a show that a lot of people are really starting to enjoy and gain traction on. And if you're a fan of your Heap, if you've been curious about what they're like and want to dig into their music, it's a great 
starting point. Um, you can also just listen to their music. That's another great starting point. Uh, but the show gives a, a more detailed dive into the music itself. I don't really get into the history of the band. I don't get into that as much as uh, a regular deep dive podcast would do. My deep dive focus is on the music because that's what is the most important. I find a lot of times that the band history can be distracting from what's going on in the music. And I really just want to focus on the music on that show. So anyway, go check it out. It's on all the same uh, platforms as this one. So if you're listening on a podcast player of any sort, you should be able to search search for The Magician's Podcast and you will find that. You will also know it's mine because it has the little endorsed by Uriah Heap sticker on it, which is very important because I have the only podcast endorsed by the band. But we're not here to talk about Uriah Heap today. We're here to talk about Faith No More. You know what? That is just what we're going to do. So this came out in June uh, on the 20th of 1989. I came across it a little bit later than that. And the band is made up of Mike Borden on drums, Roddy Bottom on keyboards, Bill Gould on bass, James Martin on guitars, and Mike Patton on vocals. Apparently, though, according to a little bit of research that I did, it looks like I've always had the deluxe edition of this album, which doesn't really sound right to me, but I have the two extra tracks that are not listed on the original album, and so this review will be based on all 11 songs and not the initial nine songs on the album. So I have linked the uh, album on iTunes and Amazon. I know at least on Amazon it's the deluxe edition. I think it is on iTunes as well. I think that's all they had available which makes more sense. Just get the two extra songs. You know, they're they're good. They're definitely worth listening to as far as I'm concerned. But we're going to get into that. And one of them's even a cover. So the first song off the album is called From Out of Nowhere. Uh, it just kicks the album off into high gear saying, this is who we are. Let's check it out. So let's talk about this song. This just comes right out of the gate with a lot of energy, a lot of power. I love it when they kick it up a notch from there because you kind of feel like, okay, this is going to be a good song. And then they take it even further and make it more powerful, make the sound bigger. I just love that. I didn't realize, you know, in the beginning that it was dialed back, that they had more levels to go. So that was pretty cool. I like that. The whole song is just pure energy from beginning to end. Um, very powerful, great playing, very aggressive bass, too, in this band. Uh, much like the band Uriah Heep, there is a lot of bass work going on here, and I've really become a big fan of that. Um, being a bass player myself, whereas I really am just good at root notes, uh, there are a lot of really good bass players out here, and certainly the one that Faith No More found is uh, is a very talented one. But the band is just on fire here. Everybody's playing very powerfully, very well on their instruments. It sounds solid. They sound really tight together as a band. And speaking of the sound, I think this album was very well mixed. It feels like a lot of things are panned to the center, but they're actually not. It really seems like they're panned more in layers. So if you look into an old tree that the, that's been cut down and you look at the stump and you see all these different rings, it almost feels like that's how this was done, where the middle of the, uh, the trunk is your brain 
And then just slightly to the left and right of that are your ears and everything seems to be panned in a layer apart from that. And it just sounds really, really good. I like it. Um, But yeah, it's a great, powerful opening track. If you're unfamiliar with the band and you find yourself in a situation where somebody's playing the album right off the bat, you get to know what they are about and they have some great energy. Um, Something that I, I really think is... It's not that hard to achieve. It shouldn't be that hard to achieve, but it's something that I don't find in a lot of music these days. Even the songs that are up-tempo, you know, there's just something, there's something missing, almost like we designed it to be this way instead of this is how it naturally happened. And I can't say that's exactly the case, but that's just what it feels like to me. So one of the more known tracks on this album is the song Epic. Let's check that out. It's a little different. like I said, it's a little bit different. It's got a bit of a rap feel to the verse, but the the bass and drums are just playing so tight. Great stuff. The sound of it is really big considering it's just those two instruments. Vocal coming in over the top sounds great. The mix of those three instruments is fantastic. And then when you get all the band back into it, you know, those keys come in, then you get um, just a, a, a rich and warm sound, which a lot of times, you know, it can be shocking when you bring like an entire band back in. It kind of takes you a second to adjust. But in this case, it's just all done very smoothly and seamlessly. A very powerful song. Uh, The drums just sound so good on this album. Really, really uh, just powerful is really the only word that I can describe the drums with. Uh, on the overall. The the kick is nice and punchy the way I like it. The snare sounds really good and beefy, um, but you don't miss any of the dynamics in that that lower end uh, and bottom end sounding snare, I should say. But yeah, really powerful, but it's a great song. It's one of those songs that you can just drive down the road, windows down, stereo cranked. You know, don't piss other people off doing that kind of stuff. But you know, when there's no one around or if you're out on the highway, sure, why not? Or even a country road. So that uh, that's another song that I really enjoy. Actually, I, I, I like every song on this album. Um, every one of them has just like a, a special meaning to me. But that's one that, you know, driving to, to gigs or to concerts, um, I, would, I would play, you know, just to kind of get pumped up a little bit. But great song overall. The uh, third song on the album is called Falling to Pieces, one of my favorites. Killer bass intro, great addition to the drums. I love that you started with the toms instead of a snare. Um, You know, I think a lot of drummers would have just done like a snare and a crash there, but uh, he used toms and I thought that was a great choice because it just kind of 
the way the keyboards come in, they just increase in volume. They kind of just sneak in there. I think the drums did about as similar of a job as they could possibly do, considering, you know, percussion is a hard strike instrument. But instead of just going for the snare and saying, hey, I'm here, it's like, hey, I'm coming up and now I'm here. And it kind of gave that similar effect for drums of the the same way that the synthesizers come in. I love the sound of the synth on this. I just love that gentle da 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 Very simple, but it just adds a layer to the song that really makes it stand out. And then, of course, you know, the vocals coming in very strong. He uses a lot of inflection, a lot of vibrato in his voice on this album. And I really, really like that for these songs. I think it just makes them sound even better. Uh, than if he would have sang them straight. But, you know, I heard or I saw, I should say, a live clip of them playing, I don't know on what tour it was or whatever, but they did the Nestle's uh, song. And I thought that was kind of neat because I'd never heard anybody anybody do that, especially a a rock band covering that somewhere. I guess you'd classify them as rock. But it was was cool. I liked it. And um, I love that they did it. You know, that's actually a song that I've loved for years and didn't know for a long time that it was Sophie B. Hawkins that sang the female version of that long before she became the uh, the star that she would be with songs like Damn Wish I Was Your Lover. But anyway, uh, yeah, this is a great song and it's got some really good changes in it. it. It's just one of those open, honest letter kind of songs. And I love that. But there's one lyric in here that I particularly love. Uh, from the bottom, it looks like a steep incline from the top, another downhill slope of mine. And what I love about that is that really is a metaphor for so many things. I think we tend to just focus on certain things in life. If it's going to be more difficult, um, we tend to focus more on that than what could be easier. And it, it really is all about perspective. If you think something's going to be difficult, it probably will be making it far more difficult than it needed to be. Um, but if you look at it and go, you know what, I can just cruise down this hill. We're going to get it done and get there. Then it'll probably be a much easier task. And what changed? Not the task just the the focus and the attitude. So I think those are important things. I think it's a great, great lyric. I really like that. Um, But the whole song is just really good. It just flows really nicely from one part into another. And then at one part, it goes back into the bass opening again. Love that fast vibrato on the bass. That is not easy to play uh, if you have weak fingers like I do. (laughs) But for a more seasoned bass player, it's probably a, a lot more simpler. But it's just it just sounds cool. And it's something really different. There are not a lot of songs with really strong bass openings. So it's really nice to hear that. Very refreshing. So another thumbs up for Falling to Pieces. This next song, um, boy, this is a this is a roller coaster. It's called Surprise. You're dead. First, it almost sounds like a sleigh bell or, you know, in those old Christmas movies or or even during Christmas time now, if you go out, a lot of the stores will have a Santa ringing a bell trying to collect money for charity. Uh, that opening part always reminds me of that just because of the tone 
of the the instrument, but uh, it really just kicks off re- very hard. You know, good rock song. Guitars are featured a little bit more in this one. Some of the songs they've kind of just buried into the mix a little, but, uh, but the guitars are very prominent on this one. And, and it's good because there are some great riffs going on. Very passionate vocal, um, just right from the start. Um, I love how they all come in together. That sounds good. And then, uh, you know, doing those fast parts in the in the verse at the beginning. Uh, then it gets a little more straightforward after that. But there are some really cool twists and changes in this song. It's a real roller coaster, to be honest. And it's one of those ones that, you know, as soon as it's over, I'm like, do I want to listen to the next song or do I want to go back and listen to that again? Because it's just it's one that just really grips me and, and makes me want to hear it again. So that's a huge sign for a good song, whether you look at it uh, from a writing or performance standard, either way or both. Um, just a, a, if, if it, if you're like not satisfied when it's over and it's a full length song and you're like, I want more, that's the sign of a good song. If you're not satisfied because it sucked and was just lacking, then that's different. But this is the good kind of, I want more. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's a very powerful song. Great riffs. Um, I would think that for a guitarist, and again, I'm not a huge uh, guitar player. I can play a little bit and um, I really just do some kind of filler on my albums on guitar. I don't really play guitar as, a, as an instrument in general. A lot different from bass. But uh, I would think that this song would be a good workout for a guitarist because there's a lot of riffs, a lot of work in it. And uh, he just plays it flawlessly here. And I want to point out, I love the guitar sound on this album. It's got the right amount of distortion. It's not overdriven to the point where it's annoying. It's just got the right amount of crunch in it. And and just that level of distortion to where you can hear all the picking and it doesn't get muddied up, which is a, a fine line sometimes. And there's a lot of picking on this album, a lot of strumming. So it's really important to be able to hear what the song is doing. And I think that they nailed it with that sound. So staying on the theme of being dead, the next song is called Zombie Eaters. So what you're hearing is the long, gentle opening for a song that really just rips into a new gear on this album. Very powerful, almost angry. Uh, Interestingly, the song is told from the perspective of a baby. So just the dependency on the mother, the uh, feel of control from the mother. It's a really fascinating song. And I don't know, uh, I'm sure there's other songs that have been told from this perspective, but I can't think of any of them. Uh, I just might not know of any. I'm sure they're out there. There's millions of songs I've never heard. So very possible, but it's certainly an intriguing subject matter and one that uh, I, I found surprising. You know, it's kind of risky when bands do things like that because people can either jump on board with it or they can get turned off by it. And then they can, you know, complain, especially in this day and age of, you know, there's one note I didn't like, so screw this whole album kind of mentality. 
Um, it is kind of dangerous for bands to do this, but you know what? Back in 1989, they were a little more risky. And this song is certainly a great one. I'm really glad they wrote it. It it really has a lot of powerful riffs in it. Um, strong drumming, almost angry. That's that's part of what I was talking about with the anger. I mean, it comes out in the vocal, but I think it comes out in the bass and drums too. Um, the keyboards are great. I love the strings in here, and especially in the beginning. There's some really good bass work too in the uh, interim parts between the vocals in this opening. Very nice, very gentle, um, you know, higher note bass playing. And it's just a great song. This is another one where I'm like, do I want to listen to this again? Because I kind of want to do. And it's one that I'd loved to sing, you know, in the car where no one could hear me. <laughs> and uh, it's one of those that if you're, you know, with a bunch of friends that are sick, sitting around drinking, you all know the lyrics to this. You all kind of either sing it or hum it together like you wrote the song and just have a good time. But it is it is a fun song. But when it kicks into the power um, if you're not a vocalist, if you're not someone who's used to singing, it's pretty easy to get fried uh, on that because it's it's very aggressive, but it's cool. It's it's a song I highly recommend checking out further. Listen to the whole thing and see what you think. And that actually kind of ends it for uh, being dead in this album. So we're going to come back to life with the title track called The Real Thing. Now, this song actually is the longest song on the album. It is at 8 minutes and 13 seconds, so it's kind of an epic one. The only other one to rival it would be the cover tune, which makes sense when we get to it, and that is at 7 minutes and 46 seconds. So let's have a little taste of what is known as the real thing. I love this song. Absolutely love it. It does not feel like it's over eight minutes long. I think that the most important thing just to start off with is the quality and the sound of the drums here. That opening with the rim shots, a nice little delay on the rim shot, but the delays are quiet enough to where you don't really get confused on what he played. You can hear what the rim shots are. You can hear what's delayed. Um, sometimes they get a little bit muddled, but that's that's actually very nice. I love the rhythm of it. Um, the kick drum just sounds so fantastic, just big and powerful, but still punchy. I love that. Um, and then the instruments come in. There's some really nice effects going on in the background, some good gentle vocals. And honestly, you know, much like Zombie Eaters, and I'm kind of surprised that they didn't separate those a little bit more on the album just because they both kind of start out the same way you know, with this gentle opening and then boom, we're going to kick into some hard rock and roll. Uh, same thing happens in this song. You heard little bits of it, but once it, it kicks in, uh, it's it's just pounding from the beginning to the end. The riff is just amazing. It's some really fast picking and uh, powerful drums and bass just carry it along. Really well-chosen keyboard sounds too to thicken everything up and, and just add more power to the song. I can't say enough great things about this, to be honest, because I think it's a fantastic song. I get why they chose it as a title track. 
And the title is awesome too. I mean, let's let's just admit that that can give all kinds of different imagery in your mind. And they certainly, uh, you know, choosing that as a as an album title certainly allows a lot of people to be drawn towards it. So that was a very intelligent decision. I like that. But the song itself is just, oh man, it's powerful. And again, you know, I don't know how Mike Patton gets through a concert because he's just singing, you know, with such aggression so often that I would have to think that that would just wear you out after a while. I mean, of course, you know, he's a touring musician, so you get that stamina built up. But there's just so much of it. And unless that's really his natural wheelhouse, um, I would think that has to wear on you at some point during a show or a tour, you know. But in any case, in the studio, it sounds fantastic. He's got a great voice. He really knows how to bring it in rock music. Definitely uh, born to be a rock singer. But it's a great tune. Check it out. You know, the whole thing, the real thing, and see what you think for yourself. Now we're going to go into the sea and discover some underwater love. You know, I remember hearing people say about this song that it was kind of the throwaway on the album, like the closest thing to a filler track. And I get that. Uh, He sings with a little bit of uh, over the top inflection, you know, through the song. And that could be a turnoff to some people. I think it's, it's actually kind of cool. I like that he did it very little on this album instead of that being his normal voice. I think just doing it here and there as an effect is one thing. And I think it works for this song. I think it's got a good groove to it. I think the problem that people have with it, just my personal opinion, is that it just doesn't have that hard edge that the other songs have. It's more of an upbeat ballad type song than it is like a grinder like the other songs on the album. So I kind of get where they're coming from. But you know what? You need a break somewhere in there. You can't just be hard pounding all the time. Even Metallica had Fade to Black or, or you know, one where the first half of the song was a little bit more mellow and Um, just kind of gave you a break from all that hard pounding metal. So I think it's a good song. I think putting it here on the album, especially after a really long song like The Real Thing was great positioning. Um, you, You just need that auditory break right here. And it is a good song on its own. It's got a lot of good changes in it. And that's the thing I really love about this band. They're great instrumentalists, each and every one of them. They know how to write music, but they come up with these really interesting parts to change from one to another. They experiment a little bit with the sounds, with what instrument is featured. And it's something that I don't hear a lot of bands doing. Granted, I don't listen to that much music anymore. So, uh, and that's just purely because of time. I mean, I love to listen to music, but um, just don't have the time to really sit and enjoy music that much anymore, which is one of the reasons I started doing the reviews on this show. So that I would force me to actually just enjoy music again and then share that love with you guys. And, um, you know, most of the albums that I've picked are albums that I know very well. I did do an experiment with Zebra that I thought actually paid off very well, where I only knew a couple of songs on the album. I do have another album that I want to do that with that uh, it's another band that I just love two of their songs. I mean, I could listen to them over and over again, but for some reason, I just never checked out. 
So I'll be getting to that. They're actually on my schedule for this year. So when that comes up, you'll know. But uh, I think it's fair to say that this is a, a song that really needed to be on the album. It you needed something to kind of calm you down after the last epic song. You got to have a, a, a just a relaxation in there somewhere that takes you out of it so that you can gear up for the rest of the album. And I think this was a great song to do that. I think the vocal's great. I think the keyboards especially are great. Um, it's just a great song overall, in my opinion. So what do you guys think? See for yourself. Check it out. Next up, we have The Morning After. That always sounds kind of ominous, doesn't it? It isn't necessarily, but it does sound kind of ominous. Well, if you listen further into this song, you'll see there is kind of a trend on this album for songs to start out a little bit more gently and then just kick into it later. And that does happen in this song as well. I want to point that out because I don't want you guys to listen to these small snippets of the songs, which are typically the beginnings, and judge the whole song by that. Because I can tell you, this is another song that kicks into some really good rock and roll, has a lot of different parts in it. And they're such a creative band. You know, I love that they come up with so many different ideas of a direction to take the song. But much like, you know, other songs that we've heard that had interesting openings, I love this opening. I love the drums. They're really powerful. Uh, I love what he's playing. You're not hearing a lot of hi-hat, but you are hearing some toms slipped in there, uh, even on the snare. So uh, I think he's just playing foot pedal on the hi-hat there. Um but it sounds really good. It's a very creative thing. It does it throw your senses off a little bit. You feel like you're in an odd time signature, but you're really not. It is a straight 4-4 four, four time. And it just gives you that sense of you're not, though. And a drummer can do that. You know, they can just place a, a snare in such a way that it makes you feel like you're not coming back on the one, even though you do, and throw your senses off a little bit. But that's really cool. And then the bass comes in. Keys are really nice. Great vocal, another great guitar song. There's some really good riffs in here. Um, yeah, I don't know what else I can say about it. It's just one of those songs that you should really listen to, the whole thing. Uh, and I'm going to say that about the whole album because the intros are long enough to the songs where I'm not really getting to the meat of them at all. And so it's a much harder album than than what you're going to get on this show because, like I said, I usually just play the first 30, 45 seconds and you're just going to get what you get. And if they're doing these long intros as buildups to the explosion of parts of the song, then uh, you're really not going to get the full gist of them. So check these songs out. If you like what you hear, if you like this kind of music, they're aggressive, but not progressive, I would say. They do have a lot of cool parts, but they're not, um, I wouldn't necessarily call them a progressive band, although I'm sure that there's people that probably do but I would say if you like what you've heard so far, take the time to check them out because they are really a solid band, at least with this album. I remember when the follow-up album came out and I can't think of what it's called. I was so excited and I listened to it and I went, eh, and never really gave it another chance. And it could have just been, to be fair, 
the mood I was in. Maybe there was a, a bad day I was having or something like that. And when I heard it, I just really wasn't in the right zone to hear it and be open-minded about it. Or maybe I'd set my expectations too high in a certain direction because of what they did on this album. I don't know. I remember not really caring for it, but I'll, I'll have to go back and give them another chance because I really think that they've shown on this album what a great band they are and they deserve that at the very least. So let's uh, let's get into the last official song on the uh, proper album, which is kind of a shame because the other two are really good, too. Um, but this would be called Woodpecker from Mars. It's the only instrumental on the album, and it features a violin. So a shorter but still a longish intro with uh, the violin, so you can hear just a different sound in the band. But I like I like the sound of it. I like the the low end and then the the higher end violin. Uh, I, I'm going to guess that those lower strings might have been played on keyboard. But in any case, um, it, it really just kicks in with some power and aggression, and you can really hear that in the drums, especially. And I also think that it's it's just another example of how many songs that they can do this with and still keep it interesting. I find that a bit fascinating because, you know, normally like you do that on one, maybe two songs on an album and then it starts getting a bit boring. But for some reason, you know, every song that they do that with, it just seems to be even cooler, you know, on the next one. So I find that fascinating because normally I get really annoyed with that kind of repetitive stuff, but it's a very powerful song. I love the string sounds on it. Um, I, I love the feel of the song overall. It has a lot of twists and turns in it. There's some very cool riffs that uh, really are more created by the violin. It's almost like the violin is taking the place of guitar. And we do have a rhythm guitar, though, that shines through a little bit. But it's just a powerful song and a great way to, uh, to I guess, end what would have been the proper album. You know, now this song in and of itself is almost six minutes long, which is long for an instrumental. It's kind of long for a rock album in that time. Um, you know, even into the late 90s, songs were were fairly short, but this is such a great song. And I remember hearing that song on the radio, like when I would pop out one cassette and go to put another cassette in my car stereo, I would hear the radio. And there were times when I would hear this song come on and I would have to listen to it because it's just so good. But it was, uh, it was such a great song to hear and, and always one that I just wanted to play on drums because it's so energetic, so... Um, emotional, you know, as a drummer. And uh, it was it was one that I was always like, let's do this song. And the band would be like, yeah, we're not going to do that. Um, lots of fun, though. Absolutely lots of fun and a great song and a great way to be what would have been the ending for the proper album. However, we are not listening to the proper album. We're listening to the what appears to be the deluxe edition. I really thought these two songs were just part of the album. But the first song is a song. I don't know why I sang the word song. That was weird. <laughs> Okay, I'll go with it. 
Um, I could edit it out, but you know what? I'm not going to. This uh, is a Black Sabbath cover of the song War Pigs. So as much as I like their version of this song, and they really do a, a just blistering version of it, um, this is one I would think could have been cut down quite a bit. I mean, it's almost like at rehearsal, somebody said, hey, how many times are we going to repeat that opening part? And someone else goes, 16. Too much, too much. That that intro um, a lot of times actually caused me to lose interest because it was just one that went on too long. It's too slow. There's not enough happening to, to really keep my interest. I would either fast forward through it or honestly, I would just skip the song. Um, I think they do a good version of it, though. Overall, I think it's very powerful, especially, you know, the last half of the song when it picks up. But overall, I could have done without it, to be honest. Um, it wouldn't have hurt me if I got the version that didn't have it. I'll put it that way. Uh, I won't say that about the next song, but as far as this one goes, um, as a cover goes, it's pretty good. Uh, I think they did a good version of kind of making it their own a little bit, putting their own energy into it, which they have so much of on this album. But eh, it, it, it wasn't one that really held my attention. It wasn't ever really one of my favorite Black Sabbath songs anyway. So, I mean, if they'd have covered something like um, the song Black Sabbath, I would have really been interested to hear what they would have done with that. But this one, um, yeah, I mean, I liked it. I've played it as a drummer, but it's it's not one of my favorites. So I, you know, as far as that goes, I think they could have, um, they did what they wanted to do. And that's the thing when you do put a cover on an album, it's usually because it's a song you want to do. And for whatever reason, they picked this one. Um, but just my personal taste, I would have gone with something else. But that's just me. Obviously, this song means more to them than it means to me. So certainly fair. I'm not going to, you know, downgrade the album for it by any means, because I do think that what they've done is a very quality version of the song, made it their own, put their own energy into it. And, and, and the mix on it is fantastic, by the way. So uh, check it out. You know, if you want to hear that cover song, I would. I would. I would. That's what I would do. <laughs> I would if I were you. Uh, I wouldn't if I were me because I've already heard it. Now, the final track on this album is, um, what would the word be? It's not risque, not dangerous. Well, maybe dangerous, but inappropriate would be, um, would be a word that comes to mind. You know, and it's interesting to me. I, I love the fact that an artist can put out a song about something that doesn't necessarily reflect who they are. That's why you write. You write because you're curious about things. You write because you think something is interesting or funny, or you write because you think something's wrong and you want to draw attention to it. Whatever the case uh, case is, uh, you write what you want to write about. And I've held back with ideas that I've had because I'm afraid that, you know, if I put this song out there, then people are going to think this is who I am. 
I'm a writer. I write about things. And so when I think of like Gary Puckett doing a song called Young Girl, and he's talking about, you know, connecting with this girl that's underage and, and, you know, he's, he's like trying to be the, the, the good guy and say, you know, you need to, to go away. This isn't right kind of thing. Uh, this song is like, Hey, you know, don't worry about the fact that I'm like way older than you are. It's fine. Just get into the rickety van kid. You'll love it. But I love that they did it because it wasn't a matter of, you know, if we write this, people are going to complain. Tipper Gore and the PMRC are going to be all over us. Um, probably didn't even know the album existed, but there is that that danger. So I love that they were bold enough to write the song and to put it out. Might explain why this is on the deluxe edition and not the regular album. That would certainly make sense. But first off, it's just a great blues song. You know, it has the piano. It's got that just gentle vocal to it. It's, you know, it's it's enticing for sure. And it really kind of plays into that subject matter. So I think it's a very good song. And I'm just going to play a little bit of it for you right now. Nice dynamics on the drums, great bass line, love the piano. Um, I love that they didn't do a long piano solo before the vocals started in, just kind of came in and they they worked simultaneously. I thought that was nice. Um, great intro. You know, you get the feeling that they're at a club. You hear a, an excessive amount of ice hitting the glass um, and, and some people enjoying their drinks. Little uh, gurgle sounds here and there. But it's it's got a nice start to it. Um, this one pretty much stays a, a blues tune. There's a couple of, uh, of of good changes in like pre-choruses, but for the most part, uh, it really sticks to this method of, of songwriting. But it's a great performance. It's a nice way to end the album, um, the extended album, I should say. Uh, I think it, it just really wraps the whole thing up very nicely. But it's a good song. And despite the, you know, some people might find the subject matter a little bit cringeworthy, and that's fine. You have a right to that. But for me, it just as a song, you know, not not listening to the lyrics as much as just hearing the vocals as an instrument, as I tend to do, I think it's great. I think it's a great blues song. I think it's one that if I were in a bar and there was a band up on stage and they played this, I'd be like, go another three or four minutes. This is good stuff. At least for me, you know, I don't typically crave hearing the blues. It's not something that I really delve into. I like blues based music, which a lot of rock and roll is. But I don't really ever crave, you know, God, I just want to hear some blues tonight. It's more the random stuff, you know, kind of like jazz. I'm not a huge fan of jazz music, but I do enjoy it when I'm exposed to it. I've never really sat down and gone, I'm going to put on some jazz. What do I want to listen to? I don't think I've ever once done that. But when I listen to some friends like my buddy Derek Jones, who plays over at Cirque du Soleil's Ka, when I would watch him play with these bands of just doing really freeform type stuff. 
I really enjoyed that music. It was jazz. And, you know, when I've seen my friend Tyler or uh, Greg German, who I had on the show not too long ago, who just released his first album, when I listen to their music, I'm totally into it. I love what I hear. But I've never been at the point where I'm like, God, I just want to hear some jazz or I want to hear some blues. Um, remember one night up in Boulder, my buddy Scott and I were just hanging out, walking around, and we ran into uh, this band playing down in the basement of an old club. And we, we heard the music. We went down to see what was going on. And it was these these older guys. And they were playing like serious blues, you know, like the the roots of blues. They had an old Hammond organ down there that did not have all the rock and roll upgrades. It was a blues organ as it was designed to be. And it was played that way. And I remember there was an upright bassist and they were just amazing. You know, the vocals were so rough and from the heart, you know, it didn't feel like they were songs that they're like, well, let's do this song and let's do that song. It felt like they're just, let's just do what we feel. And I love that, uh, you know, honest, organic, feeling. And you get a lot of that in that kind of jazz. And also when you go see those kind of blues players and and they do play songs. I mean, there are a lot of those standard songs in the blues catalog, but even the ones that are standard songs, you feel like no one's ever played the song live before. They're in the moment capturing how they feel. It's just that good. So in moments like that, I kind of crave that stuff. But this is one of those songs that I actually do enjoy in a way that I would want to hear it. You know, when I listen to this album, I might skip over War Pigs, but I'm not going to skip over Edge of the World. I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to listen to the song. And that, again, is just a sign of, of songwriting. I could say it's good songwriting, but what I should say is it's good songwriting for me. It pleases my palate. It uh, satisfies my my whatever craving I might have to hear a song. And the whole album does, though. It's really just a great, powerful album. It is kind of weird to end the deluxe edition on, uh, you know, a blues note because the rest of the album has been so powerful. You think that you'd want to send it off with the same bang that it started with. But I think this works just fine. Um, it's such a great song that I'm certainly not going to complain about how it just trails off. And it does, uh, if I remember right, the ending just kind of trails off and with the instruments playing. And that works, you know, that works for the ending of an album as well. So that's it, guys. That is The Real Thing by Faith No More. I hope you've enjoyed it. Again, please keep in mind that the snippets that I'm playing, the beginnings of the songs, are very different from where a lot of these songs go. So my advice is, if you think you would enjoy the album, if you like the samples that you heard, or even if you're just curious, go check out the whole album. I've linked uh, iTunes and Amazon where you can get it, but just go check out the whole thing. It's worth it um, if you like this kind of music. But I thank you guys for once again taking this journey with me. We'll be back next week with another interview. Or I'm sorry, uh, next week is another album review. And I've got some interviews lined up. We're just trying to come together on schedules. But we do have a lot more exciting things to go. We've got, what, 120 episodes to go? I think this is number 180. So another 120 episodes to go, guys. We got a lot of ground to cover. We're going to have some guests returning. We're going to have some new guests. We're going to have album reviews. It's going to be a lot of fun. So you guys take care. We'll see you next week for the Haskin Cast podcast. Cheers. Cheers.